This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where the death toll continues to rise as the governor insists we're doing a lot better than some other states and the pandemic is nowhere near as bad in Florida as the experts had feared it might be. Ron DeSantis tees off on China, saying Florida may join Missouri's lawsuit against the country and the ruling Communist Party, accusing them of concealing the threat of coronavirus until it was too late to contain COVID. The governor's task force to reopen Florida spends another day trying to figure out when we can start getting back to normal. There are all sorts of suggestions, but only one thing is certain right now. They need a better system for conference calls. The U.S. attorney for the Northern District of Florida is warning you to beware of coronavirus scams, especially if someone claims they can speed up your federal stimulus check if you pay them a fee. Every Democrat in the state Senate signs onto a letter urging the governor to make changes in unemployment, increase testing for COVID-19, and do more to secure our food supply. On the Sunrise interview, we'll talk with Senator Gary Farmer, the leader of the Senate Democrats. We'll also check your daily calendar of political events and get the latest on Florida Man and his Florida son, who are both in the same jail. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Thursday, April 23rd. There are now more than 28,500 cases of coronavirus in Florida and 927 fatalities. 60 more people died over the past 24 hours. The governor's task force to reopen the state spends another day working on a recovery plan. Wednesday's meeting began with another boast from the governor, who makes it sound a little bit like the state has a handle on this whole pandemic thing. There were a lot of very, very dire predictions made. People were talking about Florida being like in Italy or New York. Uh, in terms of that. In fact, this week there were predictions printed that we would have 464,000 people hospitalized in the state of Florida. We have like 70,000 beds in the state of Florida total. Uh, so that would have been just a, a catastrophic order of magnitude more than we've ever seen in anything. Um, uh, but we don't have 464,000. We have currently about 2,200 uh, hospitalized. Um, that's much less per, per capita than most other states are doing right now. Uh, fatalities per 100,000 residents, that's really the apples to apples comparison because, you know, we could sit there and say, you know, New York has more fatalities than Connecticut, but you got to control for population. Um, so if you do put everyone on the same plane per 100,000, fatalities in New York, 101.2, New Jersey, 53.5, Connecticut, 39.9, Massachusetts, 28.5, Michigan, 27, Florida, 4 uh, per 100,000. And so I think that folks in the healthcare industry, um, citizens uh, have done a really good job. I think that, that Florida is uh, right now at this point better than anybody predicted we could be. Now, obviously, we have a lot more work to do, uh, but I do think that it's, uh, it's worth pointing out uh, the facts and pointing out the, um, you know, where we actually stand. Um, you know, which is contrary to, to some, some concocted narratives that we've seen. The governor's task force includes a lot of corporate execs and politicians, but House Speaker Jose Oliva is more concerned about the little guys. He says mom and pop operations are counting on the state to set guidelines so they know when it's safe to reopen and what sort of precautions they should take to protect their customers. Time is of the essence. We're looking for some suggestions by Friday. We've heard a great deal from a large number of very large corporations who have within them great resources to do things that small companies cannot do. But we know that small companies make up the bulk of Florida businesses. And so what I think what, what, what small businesses are looking for in the very short term is the understanding of, can I open up my barbershop if 
people are X amount of feet apart, if the people that are working within the barbershop are wearing certain protective gear, and if only so many people can be inside the unit. These are very specific things, but this is what is going to be needed. Universal and Disney World and everybody else, God bless them, they're a major part of our economy, they're going to work it out. But what the very small business owner is looking for is just tell me what I've got to do to open my doors. I need to figure it out. Do I got to wear a mask and gloves? And do my people have to wear a mask and gloves? And what is the, what is the maximum capacity within a square foot space? These are the things that we have to answer by Friday so that people can get back to work. The governor's task force is meeting again today, racing to complete the first phase of their work by the end of the week. The governor gives a shout-out to the cities he says have done a good job fighting COVID-19, starting with Tampa. Let's see if he can talk about Tampa Bay without mentioning quarterback Tom Brady. You know, they had six cases yesterday. I mean, this is a county that has 1.4 million people. I mean, they had 12 cases the day before that out of 1.4 million people. In fact, as of last night, the number of people currently hospitalized for COVID-19 in Hillsborough County, again, 1.4 million people, 34 hospitalizations. Um, you know, you get 34 hospitalizations on a couple blocks in Brooklyn, you know, every day. So um, I think that if you look at um, uh, the Tampa Bay, I think Pinellas is a similar story. And then I think some of the other areas in there, um, you know, I think the people there have really done a good job. And, um, you know, I think that that's really good. And then they're going to have Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski coming in for the Bucks. So hopefully everyone will be, uh, will be happy. But this is really, I think, a, a good picture. The governor also defended Jacksonville, which became the subject of a Twitter storm, hashtag Florida morons, after they reopened the beaches last Friday. Duval County has 6.9 currently hospitalized per 100,000. So they've done a great job at flattening the curve. They've done a great job at, at keeping folks um, out of the hospital, particularly the vulnerable. Um, and I think that they deserve credit. Um, and I think the folks who are criticizing them don't have a lot of leg to stand on uh, when you're throwing pot shots at a county. So I have my hat's off to Mayor Curry, my hat's off to the people uh, of, of Jacksonville and Northeast Florida uh, for doing a great job. And um, for those who try to say you're morons, uh, I would take you over the folks who are criticizing you any day of the week and twice on Sunday. But the governor is trashing China. The state of Missouri is suing China and the ruling Communist Party, claiming their handling of the coronavirus led to severe economic losses. DeSantis says he wants Florida to join in that lawsuit, but not just yet. We've got a lot on our plate here. I have not forgotten about China. In fact, I don't know, some of you guys may want to look this up, but there was a Chinese Communist Party funded think tank that did a report in February, and they analyzed all the governors in the United States, who was hardline, who was friendly, and who was unknown. And out of, there were five governors that were hardline against China. Where do you think I was? Hardline against China, because I've been supportive of Taiwan, and I understand what the Chinese Communist Party is all about. So yes, I, I saw that Missouri lawsuit. I want to see if Florida can, can be involved in that. But what I think we also need to do is, for gosh sakes, if you have life-saving equipment that is being manufactured, do not manufacture it in China anymore. We need to bring this stuff back to the United States, and uh, Florida would be a great place to do it. So any pharmaceutical company, any medical equipment company, if you want a good business-friendly environment, come talk to me. We'll work something out. You know, Japan is actually paying uh, companies to relocate out of China. And I can tell you, in most of my 
career, I probably would have never thought that that would be, I would never be able to entertain that. But at the same time, it's like, you see what a disaster this has caused, and it is because of their malevolence. Who believes the numbers out of China? I mean, give me a break. And so they had opportunities to deal with this. Um, they didn't do it. They covered it up. And this World Health Organization, uh, I think the president's right on that. I mean, they were basically parroting China talking points. The World Health Organization in January, after we saw what was going on, said there was no evidence that the coronavirus was transmissible person to person. That was in January they said that. And so I think China has been a real negative force and, um, and I think it's going to be a real problem. So we're going to look at that lawsuit. I also told incoming speaker Sprouls, is there anything we can do with the state's investment uh, to, to divest out of China? Um, and I don't know what the options would be. We invest in companies that probably have uh, uh, operations all over the world, so that may be difficult. But are there ways that we can uh, at least put our foot, a uh, flag in the ground? You know, when people boycott Israel, you saw what happened with the Airbnb. We put them on the list, and, and that was a big deal. So are there other ways we can do that uh, with China? Uh, I hope there are, but I do think you will see in this next legislative session, uh, some, some legislation to hold China accountable. Those $1,200 coronavirus stimulus checks are starting to arrive, and scam artists are trying to get them. Justin Keene at the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Northern District of Florida is warning you to beware of anyone who claims they can get your check faster. Keene says you should also investigate carefully before donating to any charity claiming to be soliciting money to fight COVID-19. And no matter uh, who people want to donate to, you should be very wary of any business or charity asking for payments to be made by cash or wire transfer or gift card. Uh, you should never send money that way because it's almost always going to be a scam um, unless it's a, an organization that has been vetted and, and uh, that there's a legitimate relationship with. The other type of uh, financial scam we're seeing has to do with a lot of the stimulus payments um, where scammers are soliciting people offering to register them to receive the, the coronavirus uh, stimulus payments uh, or offering to take a fee to get them moved to the top of the list so they can receive their stimulus payment faster. Uh, the United States Postal Inspection Service has been advising uh, people that scammers are calling and, and emailing individuals and they're claiming to be from the Treasury Department uh, with this offer of an expedited payment or to register to receive the payment. Uh, your, your listeners should know that you don't have to do anything. You don't have to sign up. The Treasury already knows who's eligible based on either tax filings or uh, Social Security uh, recipient status. And they're not going to be, like I said earlier, they're not, the government's not going to call to verify your account information. So um, they should not fall for that. And also know that there is, there is no way to pay a fee to get moved up to the top of the list. The Treasury is issuing the economic stimulus payments according to their own schedule. Uh, millions of dollars in, in stimulus money has already been going out in the form of electronic deposits and also through treasury checks in the mail. Uh, and so people should just be wary of anyone offering to get them these uh, payments when they're already coming automatically. Keene was speaking at a town hall meeting conducted by teleconference by AAA. Now, in a time where people are meeting and business is being conducted by video and conference call, tech support becomes way more important. Case in point, Wednesday's meeting of the Governor's Reopen Florida Task Force Industry Working Group on Agriculture, Finance, Government, Healthcare, Management, and Professional Services. It got off to a rocky start as the Governor delivered his opening remarks while no one could hear him. Okay, uh, good morning. 
Sorry, I actually just went through a spiel, thought that we were on the line. Uh, so I'll do that again. Uh, but I want to thank everybody for participating in this task force as we uh, go to the next step. We need to get Florida back on its feet, and we need to uh, we need to move forward in the smartest, uh, best way possible. The governor was able to talk for about five minutes before he was interrupted by the computer controlling the conference call. We uh, mandated that all the staff members had to be screened, temperature checks, questions about who they've been in contact with. Uh, we suspended visitation. This conference will now be recorded. Once the governor finished, he turned the call over to Senator Wilton Simpson, who tried to introduce the first presenter. President Simpson, we are having uh, a couple of technical difficulties. We're contacting Mike Joyner right now and taking care of his line. Okay. Good morning. Can you hear me? Yes, sir, hey. Mike. Um, thank you for joining us. Um, I know we're ha we had a techni technical difficulty there yet, but um, I did my opening remarks, and I would like for you to have um, go ahead and do your presentation, and then we'll have some. Um, the organizer has disconnected. The call will now end. Goodbye. The techies had to purge the line and restart the call several times before Senator Simpson was able to continue. We apologize for the technical difficulty. Um, it, it never fails that, um, to have these type of um, opportunities in the middle of a, of a crisis. So thank you all for being patient. So 40 minutes after the work group started, Florida Fruit and Vegetable Association President Mike Joyner finally got the chance to make the first presentation, talking about agricultural losses due to COVID-19 that are estimated at more than $500 million. When the pandemic hit, the losses to Florida Ag were, uh, were swift, they were staggering, and they were devastating. What we saw is, let me just say that so much of what we do in Florida and agriculture goes to food services. Think cruise ships, um, restaurants, hotels, schools, those kind of things. One example is... The organizer has disconnected. The call will now end. Goodbye. And that was the end of the meeting. They will try again today. But the governor claims this may be a case of shenanigans. I'll have my staff, but, but they are actually investigating whether that was... It didn't just happen. There was something that caused that, and it may have been intentional. Um, and so we're, we're looking into that. Because I was like... Uh, wondering like what is going on and and it was not they don't think it was just something that was just a snafu they think it may have been something that was caused by the way there is no truth to the rumor that the conference call system is run by the unemployment office next up on the sunrise interview we talk with state senator gary farmer who takes over as democratic leader in november all 17 democrats have signed a letter to the governor asking for a series of actions to respond to the pandemic you're listening to the sunrise podcast from florida politics <laughs> Welcome back to Sunrise. Our guest today is State Senator Gary Farmer, who is the head of the Senate Democratic Caucus. He's actually the leader-designate, but that means he's basically running the show right now for the D's. And they have some concerns that they have sent to the governor, a formal letter, making specific requests. Senator, welcome to the show. And, and tell me why you felt it was necessary to do, or why did the Democrats feel it was necessary to do this in the first place? Well, uh, and good afternoon, Rick. Thank you for having me on. Uh, we just feel that there are a number of issues uh, that uh, are of critical and urgent importance to Floridians that either aren't getting uh, the right attention or enough attention uh, or may be the subject need or need to be the subject of a special session uh, if we have one. And I think that uh, is probably uh, an increasing likelihood uh, given uh, the uh, effects of this coronavirus and uh, the um, the increasing needs uh, that, that Floridians are facing. Okay, let's go through the concerns one by one. First of all, fixing the unemployment system. That seems to be a major concern. 
Uh, oh my gosh, uh, it is absolutely a major concern. It is far and away the uh, um, issue we hear about most often from constituents. My office has fielded hundreds of calls uh, from uh, Floridians who are just very frustrated, uh, very scared. Uh, they are attempting to log into the system and file their claim. They're either not able to complete that application, they're not getting a, a, a confirmation email or other response, um, and, and it's just a system that, frankly, uh, uh, has been set up in a way that it wasn't really a good system to begin with even before this pandemic hit us. Um, it was a system that was set up to um, make it very difficult uh, uh, to file claims, uh, it was a system that was uh, set up to minimize uh, the amount and duration of unemployment payments. Uh, we are uh, in the bottom, I think, three or four in the country as to the weekly amount and the uh, duration uh, of the payments. So there was a problem already, and now with this pandemic, uh, uh, the problem is exacerbated by a multiple of, gosh, I don't know what, um, and so we are calling on the governor and uh, his staff and uh, his executive agencies to just fix this problem. Uh, it, this has gone on for too long. Uh, they have brought in vendors and extra servers and other things and say they are working on it. They came out with a revised system, yet that system continues to have problems and, and uh, lock up or, or, or temporarily shut down. Uh, and Floridians just need to know that these benefits are coming so that they can feed their families. Uh, and we also are calling on the governor uh, to enter an executive order and confirm that which he has alluded to in some statements he's made, uh, and that is to change the eligibility date uh, from the date that you apply uh, to the date of uh, termination of employment. Uh, it is not these employees' fault that they are unable to process or even file their claims. Uh, and given the uh, nature of this pandemic and the uh, economic uh, problems it has caused, uh, we feel it is only fair and just and equitable uh, that the benefits be extended and, and begin on the date of termination, uh, uh, should that uh, 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 termination have occurred uh, on March 1 or later. Uh, so that people get the help that they so desperately need. Next up on your list is protecting food security. And I suppose by now we've all seen the pictures from South Florida of all those zucchini and squash just rotting in the field. Yes, uh, uh, this is an increasing concern and something that I think hasn't been getting a lot of focus uh, as of yet. But uh, I do know that our Commissioner of Agriculture, uh, Commissioner Nikki Freed, uh, has uh, a plan and, and she is the person uh, entrusted constitutionally and statutorily to deal with agriculture and livestock and, and these types of uh, food chain supply issues. Uh, she has been calling for a cabinet meeting for weeks. Uh, the cabinet hasn't met since either January or February, uh, which is a little uh, alarming. But uh, yeah, we have uh, some serious issues. The, the shutdown of restaurants and hotels has caused a, a, a very large-scale reduction in the um, uh, in the need for some of these uh, crops and other uh, food uh, staples, uh, and so without those being uh, harvested and and produced and and uh, distributed along the normal uh, food channels, they are literally withering on the vine. 
uh, and farmers are being forced to actually plow over uh, uh, crops from last season uh, to begin the planting that they need to do uh, for this upcoming season. And so uh, we need uh, resources to to harvest these crops, uh, to store them in refrigerated uh, facilities or even uh, trucks, uh, and and a plan to get them to food distribution sources because frankly we've relied we we've relied excuse me largely on volunteer organizations and food banks and groups like that to distribute uh, uh, food supplies uh, and we need a more coordinated statewide effort to, to get these uh, uh, foods and fruits and vegetables. Uh, before they wither away and and set up a plan for their distribution to needy Floridians. Point number three, you're also calling for expansion of COVID-19 testing and health insurance coverage, uh, all of which could theoretically be done through an executive order. How does that go? Yes. um, So uh, we are one of uh, only a handful of states that have not uh, expanded Medicaid to the extent permissible uh, under the Affordable Care Act uh, and other federal legislation. Um, that has been something that our caucus has been frustrated by for a number of years. Uh, but now, with so many Floridians out of work uh, and with health uh, uh, and the effects of this virus being so paramount in our lives, it's more important than ever that people have access to uh, effective and, and uh, uh, affordable uh, health care or receive uh, the benefit of programs that exist uh, to provide those things. And, and so we are calling on uh, either waiver, temporary waiver of uh, Medicaid eligibility uh, rules uh, or, uh, you know, just the we believe that the time has come uh, uh, for the permanent uh, expansion of Medicaid uh, so that these benefits can be provided to people and these, these gaps in coverage that exist uh, frankly, artificially here in Florida compared to so many other places uh, uh, can can be remedied. Uh, uh, health incur- insurance is paramount on people's minds today, uh, and, and we need to uh, come up with a plan uh, to do that. We're calling on the governor to do that, and we believe he can do that uh, should he be so inclined. And, of course, the thing that would take a special session would be the call for a vote-by-mail ballot for every registered voter in the state. Why is that so important at this point? Yeah, we uh, we have no idea what uh, uh, what we're going to face uh, this fall, and there is no right more fundamental to Americans than the right to vote. Uh, and uh, should we have a second wave? Uh, should we still be dealing with some shutdown? Uh, we've just seen today uh, reports of uh, uh, testing and the results of uh, testing uh, uh, in Wisconsin, where they were forced to go through with some primary elections. Uh, in the uh, height of the COVID uh, uh, pandemic. And uh, uh, the bottom line is uh, Floridians should not lose uh, their right to vote uh, simply because uh, they are concerned about either catching or spreading uh, the COVID virus. And uh, uh, there's a very simple uh, explanation or or, or solution, excuse me here, and that is to expand vote-by-mail voting. Uh, 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 We are not calling on uh, an election which is only vote by mail. Uh, but what we are calling for is that every registered voter in the state of Florida automatically be sent a vote by mail ballot so that they have it and so that they have the ability to make a choice and make a decision that's best for their health and, 
and the health and safety of their community uh, with regard to exercising that right to vote. Uh, uh, we are hearing that uh, the supervisors are already talking about uh, perhaps setting up um, uh, drive-up sites uh, where uh, people uh, can can drive up and drop off uh, a completed vote-by-mail ballot so they, they don't have to enter a, a polling location uh, and risk uh, infection or, or spread. Uh, and so we want to make sure that the resource is available. If, if, if we're going to do that, and I think it really is, frankly, a no-brainer that we do it, uh, and, and that is give everybody a vote-by-mail ballot, give them the choice of how they want to exercise their right to vote. Uh, the supervisors in 67 counties are going to need time to implement that, and they're going to need the resources to do it. And so um, uh, we believe that this is something that must be done quickly, uh, and it is something that would require legislative action. This is not something that the governor can do uh, via executive order. And so, uh, again, we believe that a, a special session is, is extremely likely at this point, and so we're calling on the governor to include uh, in that special session uh, the issue of uh, vote-by-mail ballots uh, so that we can begin the process of uh, enabling uh, those to be mailed out to voters uh, in August and in November. Our guest today on the Sunrise Interview has been State Senator Gary Farmer. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Rick. Thanks for having me. Your calendar of events begins with the University of Central Florida Board of Trustees. They're holding a virtual meeting at 8.30. COVID-19 is on the agenda. The Central Florida Water Initiative is holding a webinar at 10 to talk about a draft regional water supply plan. The planning area is made up of Orange, Osceola, Seminole, and Polk counties, plus Southern Lake County. The Emerald Coast Regional Council meets by conference call at 10. If you're wondering exactly where that is, just think Panhandle. The folks there apparently believe Emerald Coast sounds classier than Redneck Riviera. The Florida Supreme Court releases its weekly opinions at 11. The Northwest Florida Water Management District Governing Board meets by conference call at 1. And the Space Florida Board of Directors meets by conference call at 1.30. Finally today, the first father and son story featuring two generations of Florida men. A Florida man and his Florida son are in the same jail at the same time for very different reasons. 36-year-old Augustus Saul Invictus is in the Orange County Jail on a charge of aggravated stalking. He's a white nationalist from Orlando who was a headline speaker at the notorious Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville. Invictus is facing charges in South Carolina, where he's accused of choking his wife and putting a gun to her head. Frankly, he would still be there in jail if not for COVID-19. Invictus was being held without bond, but a public defender convinced a judge to set bail because the courts there are, well, pretty much shut down by the pandemic and because of the risk of contracting coronavirus in jail. Now, his father, attorney John Gillespie, is charged with human trafficking and racketeering, accused of trafficking girls and running a prostitution ring out of his home in Melbourne. Gillespie was arrested four days before his son when he traveled to Orlando to meet a 16-year-old girl who was actually an undercover cop. No word yet if there's been a father and son reunion at the Orange County Jail. That's it for today's installment of Sunrise, and a fun one it was. I'm Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we plumb the depths of Florida politics. <laughs>